Hey, do you feel like you're getting thrown around the healthcare system and are frustrated with the lack of clarity that you're getting from your providers? Do you feel like you're getting suboptimal care and that you deserve better? Do you want help busting some myths and deciphering what's good and bad information out there? If you'd like to be a part of a community that's connected with the best resources in the area and is taking small steps toward their health and fitness goals, then this podcast is for you. My name is Jeff Danning, and welcome to the Seeking Wellness Podcast. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Seeking Wellness Podcast, Southeast Idaho edition. I'm Dr. Jeff Denning, physical therapist and golf fitness professional. I'm here with a special guest that I've gotten to know over the past few months personally very well. He's a good friend and mentor to me and a lot of others. And so a little bit of a different spin from the last few episodes of talking about CrossFit that we've been doing, but I'd like to give a warm welcome to Ty Bergeson of Thai Yoga. Thanks, Jeff. Super happy to be here. Very grateful for the opportunity to come and talk about yoga yeah. and especially about yoga in Southeast Idaho. Yeah, we got some some cool stuff coming up, an event that you're going to put on later that's sort of related to how you practice yoga and everything. Excited to chat about all that. We'll kind of get to that at the end, but anything you want to say before we get started, Ty? No, you know what? I feel very, I feel very lucky to be a part of the CrossFit community here, and and I, I feel very strongly that yoga can be a real benefit to athletes on the level that CrossFit athletes are performing at. Yeah. And, and so I, I enjoy the energy being around this community, and, and I, again, I feel very lucky to be a part of CrossFit Amrock and to be able to teach yoga here. So. Yeah, I think the the feedback has been pretty overwhelmingly positive ty's been doing a lot of the like cool downs for some of our workouts some in the morning some in the evening and so after we get crushed by one of the one of the hard crossfit workouts he'll come in and and kind of give us some stretches and mobility work and another kind of light strengthening stuff to make sure we're taking care of our joints and and keeping our body healthy so it's yeah we're we're grateful on that sense as well so ty i like to start off a the podcast usually with just a, a question unrelated to anything else we're talking about tonight. I feel like you'd, you'd be a good person to answer this. It sort of sounds like a job interview question, but I don't want it to be. <laughs> but if you had like an animal, it could be a spirit animal, I guess, if you subscribe to that kind of belief, but what kind of, what kind of animal do you feel like you'd be, Ty? Or what kind of animal would you want to be? Maybe those are two different questions. <laughs> I've always had kind of a fascination for dolphins. Dolphins, okay, um, nice. You know, I love to swim, and their efficiency, their speed, their intelligence—like all of that—is really fascinating to me. So. Okay, and you have you been close to dolphins in, in close proximity or anything? Never have. Never have. Okay, just feel drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, would you like to at some point? Yeah, I think it'd be great. Are you a, a swim with the dolphins guy or not? Not so much. I would entertain it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I, I hope we can make it happen sometime. Well, Ty, let's, let's kind of get into it. I have the privilege of knowing a little bit more about your, your personal background and everything, so don't feel like you have to share everything that you have told me. But whatever you do feel comfortable sharing, kind of let the listeners know your background and how it sort of relates to your personal health and how that sort of led you on the path to becoming a yoga instructor and and how that's influenced your life. Okay. I got a little bit of a late start to fitness, having grown up in a rural area where the idea of physical fitness meant year-round conditioning for the football and uh, basketball athletes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was really a holistic view on why to be healthy in that regard (laughs) and so it it wasn't until college that I started swimming and actively pursuing any sort of athletic endeavors and I have never really been one to dive into the competitive sport so I've liked the solo sports like running and swimming and biking so I, I had that I enjoyed getting into it learning more about that and so I had I had that as a background and then at some point pretty early in my career a lot of, um, like a, a, a real deep depressive funk kind of hit me and I didn't know why and I had never dealt with depression before. Yeah. And it took me a long time to understand what was going on and, and 
preparing that workshop that you mentioned. 17 years it took me to figure out that that funk was related to food. Wow. And, you know, I had tried all sorts of Western medicine tactics and seemed to get to the bottom of it. And I eventually hired a personal trainer who did some metabolism type testing and that test came back with some recommended food items, a menu, and I kept a food log for six weeks of everything that I ate uh, based on the recommendations of that test and how I felt 15 minutes after and two hours after. And with that, we were able to triangulate some of the, the bigger problem areas, not surprisingly, McDonald's McFlurries. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> but that awareness helped me begin to fine-tune my diet and really made me aware of the power of food. You know, I, I hear about people that, that have brain fog or they have dark circles or eczema or, you know, any number of things. And very often it just doesn't occur to them that maybe food is the source. Yeah. And that was an ongoing kind of challenge and it varied and got worse before it got better. And probably at one of the lower points, I was made aware of Bikram Yoga, which is a sequence set of uh, 26 poses done twice over the course of 90 minutes in a 104 degree room set at 40% humidity. Very specific requirements on that then. Yes. And getting in and going through those poses, getting my metabolism up, sweating, my food reactions would typically take 36 hours to burn off. I could almost time it. But after a Bikram session, that would cut that burn-off time pretty much in half to 18 hours. Wow. So I became a big fan of Bikram yoga real fast. And that was my introduction to the yoga world. It was very rigid. But, was uh, that just like a hunch she had? You're like, yeah, maybe I'll give this a try. Yeah. I mean, I, I like heat. I like summer weather. <laughs> so, I like 104 in yeah. Southern California or Arizona or wherever. And so it didn't bother me. And, and it's it's actually, like, it's, it's a different kind of heat with that humidity. But I got in there, fully enjoyed it. And that practice was, was very much intentional on form and the, the breathing and the mindfulness was kind of kind of a byproduct, but not something that was necessarily as focused on. And so that was my introduction to the world of yoga. I moved to Idaho, and well, I guess before I moved, I had started doing CrossFit. And so I did CrossFit for almost a year. And loved, In addition to the yoga? Or? Yeah, okay. I was doing that and hot yoga at the same time and lost about 30 pounds in three months. Wow. So That's significant. Yeah. And, but... CrossFit was definitely a, a practice that also focused on form. And so I really combined the, the love of both of those and the understanding that if you can achieve sort of an optimal form in, in either one, you're going to get better results. And, and so that influence of CrossFit still stays with my yoga practice today, and it influences the way that I teach. So I came to Idaho and would hit a Bikram class every time I'd travel and eventually a hot yoga studio opened up here in Idaho Falls. And I began to be introduced to this idea that there are other types of yoga besides Bikram. There's, you know, the whole mindfulness aspect of it, the, the breathing parts, meditation, yeah. yoga that isn't done in a 104 degree room, which was <laughs> such a foreign concept to me. Um, and so I was, it, it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around what was really available. Um, but uh, it did allow me having a yoga studio in close proximity. It allowed me to begin to practice on a regular basis, and that's kind of where the magic started to happen. Uh, being able to get into the space and creating a space for change, right? So, and it's, it's for me, I, I don't exercise well unless I have to go somewhere. I have to go to a pool or I yeah. have to come to a CrossFit box or go to a gym or whatever, and that works best for me. And so being able to go to a yoga studio and focus was was very helpful and more intentional than trying to knock out something at home yes and you know along the way I met a lot of really great people who were trying to be the best versions of themselves and I think you encounter people like that all the time but there seems to be a concentration of those kinds of people in the yoga community yeah very mindful and so 
the the food issues kind of waned a little bit, but then I also ramped up the stress and the tension related to my job. And I began to use yoga to unwind that stress and that tension. Something really nice about being able to go into a classroom and have somebody tell you for an hour exactly how to move your body, when to move <laughs> it, how to breathe, when to breathe. Yeah. And it becomes meditative in its own way, just like that. And you know, I soon began to realize that that was an hour a day where I wasn't thinking about work or any other, any other responsibilities. And, and that's encouraged in yoga. Like, bring your focus to the mat, learn to listen to your breath, listen to your body. That awareness is really key. And then, you know, you use that awareness to begin to look at other parts of your life and what maybe needs to change and what parts don't serve you. And, and then you can begin to, to sort of layer on the changes from there. So that was, that was really kind of the big thing for me was coming into this yoga that, that wasn't as hot, wasn't intense as, you know, Bikram was, but I still derived a lot of benefit in, in the mindfulness and the awareness and still got a great physical benefit out of it. And the, the discipline of form was always in the back of my mind from, from CrossFit. And then about a year and a half ago, I got my teaching certificate. So I got my 200-hour OIT. What is that? Registered yoga teacher. It's, it's through Yoga Alliance. RYT, okay. Yeah. So it's nothing, nothing fancy in terms of the acronym, but teachers that are certified with Yoga Alliance. So there's a certain set of standards that, that the instructors that, that teach and, and issue those certificates follow. Okay. And, and there's a lot of variation, but they have to meet some certain basic requirements. Yeah, very nice. So I mentioned like meditation, mindfulness. Is that something that is specific to each person? Or do you feel like meditation is, is kind of one thing? Or, or kind of what's your take on that? I think, first of all, there might be a lot of misconception. I know there was with me. Like, I, I wasn't really sure what the benefit was or yeah. what, the, uh, what the, the intended outcome was supposed to be. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was experiencing a lot of work stress the other day, and I suggested that he meditate. And he said, I'm not really into that spiritual stuff. And I'm like, that's not really spiritual. <laughs> like, it's, if you can listen to your own breath, you're meditating. If okay. you can pay attention to the sequence movements in a yoga class, you're meditating. If you can go and sit still for five minutes, you might be meditating. So it's not necessarily one <clears throat> specific action. It's more of a the intended outcome that you, that you talk about, which is what, in your opinion? Well, it's ultimately what you want to do is quiet your mind. Okay. Like there's all the chatter, right? All of the thoughts positive, negative, all of the activity going on, maybe establish patterns and habits that are deep inside of us. Um, those are causing the vibrations sort of in our life and in our mind. And the objective of meditation is to begin to quiet those so that you can experience that still and begin to understand who you are at your core. And, and you can achieve that through a lot of different ways. There are tons of different kinds of meditation Again, you know, you can do it through movement. You can do it through different types of breathing. But you, you have aids. You can use mantras. You can use body position, just aligning your spine, your head over your spine to find that sort of optimal comfort seated position. So it, it just depends on what you're trying to achieve mm -hmm. and, um, and who might be guiding the meditation. Yeah. Is it... Do you find that to be more beneficial most often as someone else kind of guiding uh, a meditation to you or is like a, a self-meditation something that you use or encourage? You can have really powerful meditation experiences with somebody who is very, very good at it and can lead you through, you know, 30 or 60 minutes of meditation. Like mm -hmm. you can have, you can clear a lot of, uh, a lot of junk out of your system that way. Again, things that don't serve you, but... Being able to self-meditate can elevate the vibration of your day. It can calm whatever nervousness or tension that you might feel. I've had a couple of people tell me that they meditate every day, and one of them is a runner, and she wears a Garmin watch. And she said that 
she got busy with life and didn't meditate on a daily basis. And she was able to go back and see a difference in her heart rate mm-hmm. and see a difference in the quality of her sleep yeah. on the days when she didn't meditate regularly. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. A lot of cool research with kind of that and something they call heart rate variability, which is sort of the, the variation in between beats. So if you're beating at you know, 60 beats um, per minute, it's not always exactly one beat every second. It might be 0.9 seconds for one beat. It might be 1.1 seconds. And so they're finding that that increased variability is actually a good sign of health and that it sort of indicates that your body can handle variations in, in stress and things like that. But yeah, mindfulness is actually one of the ways to increase your heart rate variability as well. So that's that's cool that we're I think that we're starting to see you know physical biomarkers related to some of this uh, meditation practice or things that people might initially write off do you have like a suggestion or or things that you say to people that are like I'm not really into that like I don't know about all that stuff like not for me I think just a a basic explanation of what it is in case there is a a misunderstanding of what they think meditation is. Yeah. Recently was in part of my 300-hour training that I'm going through now. We were introduced to a fairly simple meditative practice. And again, that was sort of finding a comfortable seated position, you know, aligning your spine back to more of its natural curves. And, you know, your hands can be anywhere that you want. You can do this on a bus. You can do it at home, wherever you want. And start just simply with the breathing. And it's really interesting what happens just by focusing on the breathing. So like I mentioned, some some meditation includes mantras that are repeated over and over, but breathing can be its own mantra. You can breathe into a certain rhythm or pattern yeah. and and then change that pattern and then eventually get to a state where you really feel your heart rate slow down and your mind quiet all of that chatter and that's really kind of the state that you want to get to that's a little bit of a restorative state and and it calms the nervous system i mean i i see a lot of stuff now and i don't know how much is out there in the mainstream about taking care of our nervous system but we spend a lot of time in fight or flight mode yeah and because of you know we get a certain dopamine hit from being in fight or flight right and so if we get into that into that mode then we continue to seek it just for the dopamine hit funny thing that i heard that if if you're in some sort of trauma state people in a trauma state will often go home and watch crime dramas just to get more of that trauma dopamine hit (laughs) that makes sense so it's curious but uh yeah i mean ultimately we want to get that get that parasympathetic nervous system calmed back down and and an easy way to do that is with deep breathing because the the alveoli in the lungs that sort of calm us down are at the bottom of the lungs right and the ones that put us in the fight or flight are in the top of the lungs where Mm -hmm. that shallow breathing uh, happens and so it's it's very easy to can begin to learn to control our responses simply through breathing yeah i like that a lot yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of benefit to deep breathing, actually kind of filling your lungs, you know. You mentioned controlling your responses. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? I know you've talked a lot and you kind of share posts a lot about how your response to an action is, is kind of on you, right? It's, it's not necessarily the, the heinous act that was committed to you, even though it may be, but you're kind of in charge of how you respond to that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a whole component of yogic philosophy about that where we want to just, and again, it comes back to that sort of stillness that we're trying to seek because it does allow us to observe rather than being always in a reactionary state. Like, notice what an event just was. Notice what an emotion that we just felt. What was that? How do we feel about it? Maybe describe it to yourself. And just that simple fact of acknowledging it and giving it a description suddenly separates it from your identity. Like it's so easy to take an emotion and have it become a part of who we are and get all wound up 
and feel that emotion all day long because we think that's who we are. When in fact, it's a vibration that can yeah. pass through us if we let it. And one of the easiest ways to sort of do that is just to stop for a minute, think about it, acknowledge it. Because the body's probably trying to tell us something, right? Like it's trying to protect us. That's base level what's happening. Sure. Um, but we are no longer in, in a sort of hunter-gatherer environment where all of these responses were originally sort of created in the body. They were there to protect us on that level. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's, the body is still trying to protect us, but we don't, we're not necessarily in life threatening situations when we get seven emails in five minutes <laughs> most of the time yeah True. not life-threatening emails yeah but it can still be a trigger right sure and so learning to identify why we're responding a coach of mine likes to advocate to be curious stop and ask why am i feeling this way what am i making it mean and and then with that identification again it's easier to just sort of let it pass through and and you'll know it's there but it can make a huge difference in the course of your day yeah be curious i think for me i feel like i have a hard time verbalizing or like formulating like what exactly i'm feeling i don't do you have any advice for people like me that are like i'm feeling off i'm not sure if it's like anger or just frustration or am I scared or like what but a first good step is just to try and identify how you feel and oftentimes it comes in one of just a few ways you will feel a tightness in your chest or maybe a a tightness or an ache in your shoulders or maybe there's a lump in your stomach and that's the first step like just literally give it a description and physical description of what you're feeling okay so that, that can be the first step. And then you kind of have to unpack some of that stuff every once in a while. Like, all right, what am I feeling? What maybe caused this? Why, why am I assigning an emotion to it? Hmm. Because that we are. Like, we are assigning emotion, right? It's, it's up to us to decide how we respond to stuff. So in that, we are assigning an emotion. Yeah. And so it doesn't necessarily matter if we identify it per se as anger or anxiety or fear, but being able to give it a physical description can actually make a huge amount of difference. Yeah, that's helpful. Let's let's back up a little bit, Ty. I think we I like this sort of tangent we got off on. But you mentioned some of this is kind of a, do you say yogic philosophy? Mm-hmm. Tell us just. What is yoga? Like, is there a definition? I know CrossFit has kind of defined what CrossFit is, and people have all sorts of ideas of what that looks like, but what is yoga to you, Ty? Does it does it have, like, a formal definition? And I know there's, you mentioned Bikram yoga earlier, and then there are multiple types, but touch on, touch on that a bit, if you would. Yoga does have an official definition, and that is the yoking or the unifying of the body, mind, and spirit. Okay. So you are, you are moving with your body. You are applying a certain amount of discipline with your mind. And then you are seeking that sort of quietness of spirit, right? The, the quieting of the mind and being able to approach life with, with a level of control and calm. As far as, like, Bikram is, that was interesting. That's sort of a commercialized version of yoga. One single man because he couldn't he couldn't trademark the poses he trademarked the dialogue yeah and and so his franchisees had to present that class verbatim no matter where you went dallas los angeles exact same yep exactly the same and he's no longer in the country but the the poses remain foundational yogic poses and there can be you know, what's, what's often practiced is called vinyasa yoga, which is a flow. A flow is when you do a sequence of poses in a way that it doesn't cause a lot of disruption, right? So if you're in a wide-legged stance and you do a forward fold, hands are on the ground, maybe the next pose is to walk your hands to the front 
and straighten your legs and turn it into a pyramid pose. So that's essentially a flow rather than going from a forward fold and then standing up and reaching and turning it okay. into a warrior two. Like there is some sort of sequence that makes the whole motion efficient. Okay, that makes sense. Another one that is common is Ashtanga, which is a sequence of poses that aren't necessarily flowy, but they will be held for longer periods of time. And so you can get into those and, you know, begin to build, you'll build strength anyway, because you are, you are focusing on the body awareness of what muscles are activating and what you need to do to activate those muscles. You get into a a warrior two, for instance, and it's easy to let gravity sort of take over, but you can actively press down on the back foot and engage the muscles all the way up to the, the back leg. You can press down through the front foot and engage the muscles in the in the quad. You can lift through through the rib cage and the chest and engage through the core. You can extend your fingers wide and try to reach and engage through the triceps, and then ultimately lift crown of the head tall. And so now you've got a full body involvement in something that looks like you know scarecrow yeah. pose. Right? <laughs> yeah, that is something I I've noticed, and I think I told you this, but I do. I appreciate some of the cues and stuff that you give. I don't know if you call them cues or, mm-hmm. or, or what, but yeah, telling us different parts of the body as opposed to just getting into that position, like what you want me feeling or doing with my feet, what you want me feeling or doing with my hands and, and kind of everything that you just mentioned. So yeah, it is one, you know, one person can be in the same pose as, as another, but maybe feeling a, a different stimulus. Yeah. Yeah, and you will find as you go to different studios, different emphasis. I know there's a local studio here that um, definitely emphasizes more of a freestyle approach. Like knowing you, you kind of get an introduction in the warm up to foundational poses, and then you're encouraged to explore uh, the shapes during the middle part of class. Um, other classes will be uh, very emphatic on the flow part and won't necessarily stop and ask you to identify what what parts of the body mm-hmm. are activating. So it just depends on the instructor, it depends on the type of philosophy behind their training, but there's you know more than enough types of yoga that you can kind of find something that suits you. Yeah, is that sort of just the, the approach that one would take if, they're, if they have no yoga experience, or are they just kind of trying different different classes different styles out or is there kind of a recommended most people start with x or no i mean i you know i started with bikram which is like going from zero to 90 and <laughs> one of the more yeah. challenging yeah ways to into yoga so okay. but you know i'm kind of a masochist when it comes to exercise but you get to get a studio that offers multiple types of classes and it's in their interest to introduce people in the community to yoga and so they're going to offer different kinds one of the more popular ones here in idaho falls at the studio that i teach at is a gentle slow flow and so there's a lot of emphasis on breathing spend a lot of time on the mat um, you know less with that sort of muscle activation kind of approach and having it just be gentle but it introduces you to the ideas behind yoga some of the shapes that you go into Uh, you still get that great meditative state out of it you'll still get a workout but it's a great introduction. Yeah, I like that. So a lot of people start there then with their They can, journey. yeah. And, you know, if only because it seems less intimidating, right? But if you're an athlete, you can probably start at any point in any class. And I think yoga is a great challenge that is underestimated by many athletes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking firsthand from... <laughs> From taking some of your classes and even doing some of the just the, the quote-unquote cool downs that that you've done for us yeah it's impressive how difficult it is to hold and maintain some of these poses for what feels like forever for me but you know you're just chilling over there like it's no big deal <laughs> is yoga designed to be challenging then or hard I know CrossFit is kind of has that rep of being hard and I think it's deserved it's it's probably the most intense like physical fitness program that you can partake in but I don't know is is yoga 
supposed to be, or is it kind of just dependent on the instructor and the class? Is it supposed to be more of a relaxing thing? Is it supposed to work up a sweat or all of the above? All of the above. Part of it is is the intention, right? That the the class the instructor starts out with. There's there's a type of yoga called yoga nidra that is all about being restorative. You will spend a lot of time on the mat on a bolster. You know, just sort of embracing relaxation and stillness. But otherwise, yoga is scalable just like CrossFit. You yeah. can come in and, and it is what you bring with you, right? And so I always think about Luke in the cave, you know, what's in there? <laughs> Only what you take with you. <laughs> and and that's, that's the way yoga is. If you, if you come and want to have a relaxing experience, you can chill and focus on the breathing and not go super intense. Or if you want to come in with the intent to build muscle and improve and strengthen and really sort of aim for some of those crazy poses, they'll come with time and effort, lots of effort. CrossFit says that CrossFit is not for everyone, but it is for anyone. Do you feel like that's a similar stance that you have with with yoga as well, that anyone can come into a yoga studio and, and kind of partake in class yes and I mean you know any good instructor is going to acknowledge that everybody has a certain set of circumstances and I think most instructors are trained to accommodate and to watch and are happy to have conversations with students before class to let them know that hey I've got this you know I can't do this or I'm recovering from surgery or Mm -hmm. I have an injury that I need to be careful with and, and you can modify, just like you can modify actions and exercises in CrossFit. And even, even to the point where you can turn what would be a standing exercise into a chair version, right? You're still getting the stretch, the lift, the arm reaches. You can take your, your leg back behind the chair just a little bit and get that front hip flexor opening. So there are levels that you can operate at, yeah. even within class. and. Oftentimes, an instructor will cue those options and and give the students the option to embrace whatever level of challenge they want to face in that given class. Yeah, very nice. What what does a class look like? I know that is kind of a loaded question and it has a ton of variability depending on the class style and everything. But kind of as a, a general outline, you could speak to your class, I guess, or or one of the slow flows that you talked about, but what's kind of start to finish, like what can someone expect? Um, very often, there will always be a very sort of grounding first few poses, being, I guess, having the opportunity to introduce the students to the idea of breath work. Okay. So get them into a simple pose, usually a child's pose, or sometimes it's seated, sometimes it's on the back, but begin to introduce the idea of ujjayi breathing which is sealing the lips and inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the nose. And there's the addition of a slight constriction in the back of the throat. That has a couple of benefits. It gives you something to listen to when you're working on learning how to meditate, but it also tones the muscles in the back of the throat. And so if you're an athlete, you're creating more efficient breathing over time by strengthening those muscles. So from, from those breathing states, you'll do some, some basic poses to begin to warm up the hips, the lower spine, maybe the arms, the neck, and then you begin to move into some foundational called Sun A and Sun B, which are pretty much fixed with some variation where you begin some up-down and build some internal heat, some, some wider stances with the legs, some overhead arm movements. Internal um, heat is meaning... Actually like, building temperature. Like okay, your, getting your, your, increasing your body temperature. Okay. Yep. yep. <clears throat> and and so you're you're beginning to gradually move in and warm the body up and prep it for some of the more advanced moves. And and then and then depending on how the class goes, you can sequence a class to have to build. Like there are sequences that are called ladders, and so you can do pose one, two, and three, and then you'll do it again you know, left and right side, then you'll do a one, two, and three and add a fourth pose. And maybe okay. the third ladder is one, two, three, four, and a fifth pose. So there's that style. Otherwise, you can utilize a variation of poses and movements to begin to prep the key muscles that will be involved with what is called a peak pose, or the most challenging pose of the class. So maybe maybe you're gonna stand, like in uh, standing bow, 
with your hand and grab your your ankle right you're gonna get a quad stretch but standing bow you're gonna kick your leg way back and begin to open your hip flexor and that in and of itself is a challenging pose but you can move to a more challenging pose of like half moon where you've got your back leg parallel to the ground and your torso theoretically parallel to the ground you've got your one arm down toward the mat and the other arm up to the sky and you're twisting mm -hmm. and so you've got you've got a hip opening happening you've got a shoulder opening happening and all of that should have been prepped with simpler poses throughout you know squeezing shoulder blades together arms and chest opening so you'll you'll go through in a good class you'll go through a lot of those foundational poses and get the muscles ready for the more advanced poses nice i like that yeah kind of similar to the flow of like a cross a good crossfit class then right you you kind of have a general warm-up maybe with some cardio and some light movements maybe move into a more specific movement on some lighter weight of whatever movement is in the workout today that you're practicing for building up to the weight you want to get to and then of course hitting the workout hard the the more challenging stuff is is the lingo challenging for people you're, you're just throwing out like half moon and like standing bow and all these things i know like crossfit has its own kind of lingo as well with muscle ups and cleans and snatches and like people are like what the hell are they talking about but is that just something that people kind of learn as they go or is that sort of a, a barrier for people like i don't know what the heck child's pose is like there's there are a couple of levels there you can and depending on where you studied and how you studied, you you might learn all of those poses in their strict Sanskrit names and be encouraged to teach with the Sanskrit names. Wow. So, you know, what we would call butterfly pose, sitting on the ground, soles of the feet together, would also be called Bhattakanasana, right? A, a full squat pose would is called a Malasana. And so you may hear some of those, depending on the studio and the teacher, you may hear some of those interlaced. But generally you find that when you get into a class, the names of the poses don't necessarily matter. The teacher will cue those to help kind of prep you to what we're moving into, but there should be cues coming along the way to begin to help you move your body to get into that position, especially in a flow situation, right? You're gotcha. gonna, we're gonna lift the chest and then sit down and, and back and let's move into a chair, right? So the cues are supposed to be layered in a way to help help the students find those poses without having to know the language. And oftentimes you get into, into uh, a yoga class and you can't even tell your left from your right, let alone <laughs> names of poses. <laughs> That's a, a common thing that people say is that I'm just like in a zone and you know, kind of following the instructor, I'm not worried about left and right. Yeah, it, it's funny, even after teaching, you, I get into a class and, you know, somebody will cue something and lift your left leg and I have to stop and think about <laughs> which part is my elbow and my leg and my hand, and, yeah. you know, so it's kind of funny. I think I think it's called yoga brain sometimes. Yoga brain, nice. What, what does a Thai yoga class look like? Is that, what's kind of your signature layout of the class or, or how do you like to run things what's kind of your own flavor it's it's going to be very much a flow style generally ashtanga can be fun if if you want people that are up for a challenge but in in the community that i'm working in and being here in the crossfit gym i want to be able to help the athletes recover quicker mm -hmm. i want them to i want to help them build smaller stabilizing muscles right so we're we're going to go through the poses that that help them sort of perform better in their CrossFit athletic endeavors because they're here at CrossFit five to six times a week sometimes, right? So yeah. uh, that's where the priority is, and, and I want to be able to help them. So it'll be very much like I described. We'll, we'll do some warm-ups on the ground and begin to prep the muscles. And then depending on the, the workout, you know, like after Hell Week, like we definitely did a full-body yoga workout where there was an opportunity to stretch arms and shoulders and mm -hmm. chest and legs and hips and so we went through the whole thing but sometimes we may just cover upper body or we may just focus on lower body yeah but for here i will for yeah working at crossfit amrock anyway i will focus a lot on being able to help build body awareness for the athletes 
and help them build balance and and strengthen those muscles that don't normally get worked in the bigger the bigger exercises in CrossFit. Yeah, a lot of the same stuff I do in therapy sometimes. I'm working some of those smaller stabilizing muscles that aren't quite as sexy as the the deltoid or the quads or whatever. But yeah, love that. What about a, a full class at, at Yoga London where you also practice at? It'll, it'll be similar. I will probably challenge the students in Yoga London a little bit more because we've got the advantage of the heat. And so the muscles mm-hmm. are going to warm up very, very quickly in that extra heat. We, we keep the temperature there around 102, I think. Wow. The, the humidity is not at 40%, so it's not quite the, uh, the same experience as a Bikram class. But uh, you walk in there and you begin some gentle movements, and it is amazing how quickly the body loosens up under the heat they've wow. got uh, radiant panels which are supposed to actually energize at a cellular level so you're, you're sort of activating everywhere in the body just by absorbing that heat it's supposed to be really good for you yeah that is cool so are all your classes done in a hot yoga style they're at yoga london yes at yoga london they are okay very cool Do, are people hesitant about that they're like what if i like sweat my brains out and just I can't handle this <laughs> <laughs> for me that's part of the fun like, yeah you like it I do there is some hesitation I think people have the misconception that hot yoga is like standing in a parking lot on a 103 <laughs> degree day sure. in Idaho Falls right it's not like that at all it's a it's more of a gentle heat and yeah you'll sweat but it's a good sweat and it's people that have taking the leap and come in and tried it for the first time are always like, wow, that was really great. I really like that. Yeah. You know, and they usually a positive response then. Yeah. From... I, I have yet to meet someone that just didn't <laughs> like it at all. Like they were like, yeah, that was really good. Okay. Very cool. Ty, you touched on this a little bit already. Some of the myths and, and misconceptions, but are there any others that you really feel like people have misconstrued about yoga in general or, any of the wellness or, or mindfulness stuff? I think for yoga, there's a, there's a certain expectation that it's, you know, it's an exercise practice mostly by women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it originated with men in, in India or however, however many thousands of years ago. Yeah. It's only since it became westernized in the U.S. that it has kind of focused more on women and, and kind of moved globally in that way. But... Men can benefit, especially athletes. One of the yogis that I know, actually, I think he teaches the, like an NHL league yoga. Wow. And so, you know, th- there are professional athlete organizations that recognize the benefits of yoga, both for recovery and per- for, for performance. And so, you know, I, I like to think that maybe maybe guys just want a little bit more of a challenge, and, and they think that, Maybe yoga isn't going to provide that challenge, but, you know, I'd say, come to one of my classes and let me, let me provide <laughs> let a demonstration. Let me humble you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. One other thing, I guess, is just the idea that yogis here all the time, uh, people that haven't tried it, I'm, I'm not flexible, right? But mm. really, it's not about the flexibility. It's not about the poses. It, it is about the journey that you put yourself on, learning that mental discipline. Um, but it's also about mobility, just plain mobility, right? Our, our longevity is literally dependent on how we maintain mobility as we age. Yeah. And so just getting into a situation where you can move your body, learning to identify activation in certain muscles, lifting and twisting, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be intense, but you are maintaining a certain level of mobility, which impacts your longevity. And so... I would say there is really nothing to be afraid of because it can be scaled. You can adjust to whatever your body is suited for for the day or the week or wherever you are in your life. But get in and get some movement going. Yeah, I love that. You, so it's not just stretching then? No. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that something that people think as well? They think it's just a, a stretch class? I think so. I think because of, I mean... I thought it was. Like I mentioned, you know, the, the Bikram introduction did not really lead me into the full picture of what yoga really is. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a while when I started following yogis on Instagram. I'm like, 
what, what's going on here? This, this does not look like the Bikram that I know. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a whole world out there to begin to discover. And, and I think the, the mindfulness part, being able to quiet that chatter and, and learning the meditative aspect of yoga is really kind of, it's a reward that people don't expect. But yeah. once they discover it, it's a big deal. But if, if you only come in for the movement, then only come in for the movement. You're still going to be better off. But, but if you want to apply any sort of intention to those movements, you will begin to find another layer or two that will benefit you. Yeah, very cool. You've thrown that word out, yogi, a, a few times. Is that acceptable then to, to use? That's not like an offensive no. thing to call someone that <laughs> no. practices yoga. Yeah. Is that what it is then? Just anyone that practices yoga? Is a yogi. Is a yogi. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Starting to wrap up here, Ty, but what do you feel like yoga has done for you personally? I know that's kind of a big statement because I know how profoundly it's impacted your life, but... It has, you know, it brought a lot of balance to my life because I think I mentioned that I was just working all the time. That was where my focus was, right? And it wasn't really a productive state for me. It was tiring, and I got to a point where... I had a holistic doctor and an acupuncturist on the same day tell me that I needed to quit my job. They're like, I'm not, not telling you to quit your job, but you should quit your job. And you the, didn't hear from me, but... Yeah, and the acupuncturist had... He had had me in his office for the first time for five minutes when he told me that on the same day. Wow. And so they knew that the stress that I was putting myself through, you know, and again, coping skills, right? Things that you learn how to manage those vibrations, that energy, those emotions that go through... I've learned some coping skills in the years since, which was good. But at the time, it was kind of ruining my health. Yeah. And so yoga was the first step in a, in a path that led me to begin to kind of see what was important and see how to kind of bring some balance to my life. Love that. Any advice for those that might be a little bit hesitant? I know you kind of touched on it a bit, but that are just... They're thinking about maybe trying out a yoga studio, but not totally convinced that it's for them. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's interesting being able to teach at CrossFit Amarok and teach at Yoga London, two mm-hmm. completely different environments, two different situations. Here at CrossFit Amarok, it's far more relaxed. And so if if you're afraid of the formality of yoga, come to CrossFit Amarok and we'll, you know, it's it's relaxed and people giggle and people laugh and (laughs) you know we're still working toward an objective and people because of what it takes to accomplish the poses they they come back to that focus pretty quick but you get into other more formal yoga studios they'll they'll still offer like a trial class or 10 days free or whatever and usually the 10 day free thing is an opportunity for the student to go in and try multiple classes that are offered the different kinds and so there's really kind of no risk. You can find a studio that you like, and if you don't like one, that doesn't mean that all studios are like that one. Mm-hmm. You can find another one that is maybe more suited to your pace or the type of workouts that you're looking for. And so I'd say just keep an open mind and keep shopping until you find one that suits you. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, not all CrossFit gyms are the same. Not all physical therapists are the same. We all have our or quirks and different ways that we practice so yeah certainly if it if that is something you're interested in and didn't find quite quite a good fit like you were thinking on the first try then and keep looking ty this has been great i know you've got a workshop coming up in well two workshops i guess same workshop but um, offering a couple different times what what's your workshop about and kind of who's it for uh the, the workshop is going to be there's going to be one here at CrossFit Amrock and one at Yoga London, and it will be identical. It's called Joy and Awareness. Um, Love that. What I am hoping to accomplish is share some of the knowledge that it took me kind of a big sort of pivot point in my life to really discover. Joy was something that I never really had room for in my life. I was always focused on career, yeah. and, and I did not focus at all or even recognize the stuff around me that could have brought me joy. And I read a book that made a huge difference helping me identify joyful things in, in the world around me. Like I didn't have to change any habits. I didn't have to read a, uh, you know, a, a manual. I didn't have to go to a class. 
I could literally look around the world and understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling and recognizing, again, that sort of awareness part, recognizing why I was feeling that way. And, and a lot of it goes back to the primal brain, and so there's kind of some fascinating stuff to discuss there. But what I hope that the students will walk away from is a, a set of skills, observational and otherwise, that can help them bring more happiness into their life and therefore more balance without having to get to kind of a crisis state to discover that. Okay. Excellent. For... We'll, we'll do a little bit of uh, movement at each of those workshops too, just some oh, okay. foundational poses that are that correspond with joy and happiness. So it'll be an opportunity to move and feel the joy of movement and, you know, again, work on that awareness state through movement. So that'll be a component of the workshops. Okay, awesome. If people have questions about the workshop or interested in it, what's the best way to contact you, Ty? Just reach out to me on Instagram. My uh, handle is tigeryogatygger, tigeryoga. And so I'm there and I will respond and otherwise, you know, catch me at Yoga London or uh, CrossFit Amrock and I'm happy to answer any questions. Very cool. Any closing thoughts, Ty, or we kind of wrap, wrap things up pretty good? Yeah, I think, I think we've, we've covered it. I've talked a lot, I feel like. <laughs> I think it was great. And, but I, I think, you know, just keep an open mind. And I, I think if you have any misconceptions, talk to somebody that, does yoga and find out if those misconceptions are actually true yeah and you might find out that they're probably not <laughs> yeah i agree i think there's a lot of misinformation it's easy to <clears throat> read something and think that's how it is but yeah once you once you step into into a class it's probably very different than you were thinking so okay well that was awesome thanks for listening guys thanks for being on here ty we will catch you in our next episode, but feel free to reach out to Ty over on Instagram uh, for a workshop coming up soon, and we'll catch you guys in our next episode. Hey, everybody. I just want to say thank you for listening to the Seeking Wellness Podcast. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss out on any of these great episodes. If you haven't left me a review yet, that would mean the world to me so I can implement any of your feedback that you have for me. And if you feel compelled to do so, share this out with more people because my goal is to connect with and help as many people as possible in our community. And finally, if you have any ideas for future episodes or suggestions on guests I should interview, please shoot me a message because I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, and until next time.